When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Danny LaRue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. My guest is Mo DeKeel of the Nerder She Wrote podcast of One Mo Thing, of his great Twitch streams, and we go all over the place. We talk about the Eastern Conference playoff picture and how incredible that is, the Suns recent run, a bunch of different teams about how much or little faith we have in them as playoff squads, a little bit about the 22-23 season, and a lot of other fun stuff. I think you'll really enjoy it. Pod runs a little bit over an hour, and it's brought to you by betonline.ag. Use that CLNS50 code for a 50% welcome bonus. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Danny. It's, It's always fun to come on and talk hoops with you. Of course. And you and I were talking a little bit before we started the formal recording, and there are a lot of different ways that a regular season can flow. And I firmly still believe in the disconnect between the regular season and the playoffs and that that makes things a little bit weird. But this has been a really nice run. This has been a very fun NBA season. I mean, listen, let's just put the caveat out there. That run where Omicron basically hit every team was not fun, right? And what was interesting was all the kids who came through the league, though, with that opportunity with guys out and some of them making the most, you know, most out of that that moment for them. That was pretty interesting. But overall, I just feel like the season's been really good, like great games on a regular basis. There are not a lot of nights where I'm like, wow, every game was a blowout. It's there's just been a lot of interesting things happening nightly um, that you really can't complain too much about this season. You can't. And there it also is setting up for a fascinating postseason. And part of that is the uncertainty can often come from a negative place like that's a a surprising injury or something you're like, oh, OK, the, maybe the number one team loses somebody and everything gets thrown out of whack. Or, or and, and of course, there are injuries that are shaping all this stuff. But for me, it's a, this time around, it's a more positive thing overall. You have some teams that are playing really well, like the Suns and the Celtics. And I'm guessing we'll talk about both of them at some, to some extent. <laughs> and But then you also have these teams that hopefully will be full strength or close to it by the time the playoffs come. So you're like, okay, well, this, those teams are playing really well, but what do we make of the Nets? What do we make of the theoretical full strength Warriors and Grizzlies? Should we get there by the start of the playoffs? And it's... The right brand of like, I mean, it's also like a lot of, as we're looking at it, either new matchups or matchups that we haven't seen in this iteration. So like, for example, yes, we might see Bucks Heat 3. This to me is not the same as the last couple of years. So like there's, I'm so excited for how much I don't know. It's, that's kind of the fun part about it, right? Like when we're talking about, you know, when I'm on Nerder, she wrote with Seth Partnow and Dave Dufour, you know, we, we constantly are talking about the East and it's, you know, we constantly, Seth says it all the time. Like if I had to pick, I would take the field over any one team in the East because there's no clear delineation, right? There's so much variance. Like when we look at Brooklyn, Brooklyn can do anything from not make the playoffs and lose in the playing tournament to win the championship. Like none of that's out of the realm of possibility and everything in between is like, okay, that's, you know, you're looking at it going like, I can see all of this and I wouldn't be shocked by any of it with how their season has gone on. Like we've just gotten so much different things to happen throughout the year. I mean, when you're looking at the the turnaround the Boston Celtics had throughout the, the season, you know, the first two months of the season is a totally different season for them, totally different team than what they are now in terms of how they're playing and things. Like, I just think the whole variance of just the NBA season, this is something we're not used to. Because you're right, by now we kind of know who our favorites are. We kind of have the idea of like, okay, if everything goes the way it's supposed to, 
this team's going to win the championship and that's the end of it. Like, it's not even going to be close. And, you know, this year, it's, it really does feel wide open. One way of describing that is, so I pulled up Cleaning the Glasses net rating since February 1st. So that's, you know, it's a decent sample, seven weeks or so. The top five teams in net rating are all teams that are either haven't really been in this place before or who have some form of baggage. So number five is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Four is the Jazz. Three is the Phoenix Suns, two Memphis Grizzlies, and one Boston Celtics. And none of those, like, Phoenix is the only one of those teams that at the start of the year I would have said, okay, they have, like, a, a pretty decent shot at being in the mix. Like, that's the kind of, like, be, being there. I mean, they obviously were last year. And that isn't to say that any of those other teams that are there haven't, they've been, you know, undeserved, they haven't been playing this way or anything like that. But it's also, like, you don't, like, it's hard to have, for me, that confidence in a team that hasn't quite done it before that doesn't that doesn't mean they can't it just means that i'm not going to feel the same way about it as i have before and you could draw a parallel to like the 14 15 warriors or numerous other teams in the past but you know the the started celtics like they're destroying everybody right now and there isn't much of a reason to think that it will fall off except that you still wonder how they're gonna fare against the absolute best of the best a month from now yeah and it goes really to to what you were saying in the beginning of like the disconnect of how the playoffs are completely different than the regular season you know having having worked in the league like doing basically doing the game planning it's so different day to day when you're looking at okay we just we're looking at this team we're gonna second night of the back-to-back we're gonna play this team we're just gonna stay with our stuff and things like that when you're in the playoffs it comes to so much tweaking going in and and, and you really get to dive in i kind of equated to the what nfl f- football teams have when they have a whole week to prepare for a team they have packages set up this is how we're going to attack the defense and things like that that's when it's going to get really interesting for boston right they're dominating teams right now and they're blowing out good teams i mean i don't know how people feel about the utah jazz but they walked into utah and that wasn't a game at all no right? a few nights ago like they just obliterated them and i know i butchered that word it happens all the time i can barely speak english but the the whole concept of it is just when it comes to the playoffs can you do that when a team's going to be able to look at it and say hey we see how you're defending this is how we're going to attack your defense that's not something they get to do during the regular season because it's just too compact there's not enough time and not enough practice time to get on the court and work it through with your guys so that will make the the real interesting part of the season for Boston and really every team to see how that works out and how that plays in the season. And that's why, you know, it goes to Draymond's team uh, thing, right? There are 16 game players and there are 82 game players, right? And we're going to find out, right, you know, for uh, quite a few teams, some of them are going to be 82 game teams. Some of them are going to be 16 game teams. And it's all, it's not entirely clear in each case, like where, where things are going to go. And, and another thing that I like to look at, and I think this is so fascinating for the Celtics, is that it's not only about the wins. And yeah, they have some really nice ones like that game that they handled that they handled Memphis and jaw ja dropped 38 and they the Celtics still won pretty cleanly in that one. But I also like to look at the losses for teams that are in hot streaks. And it's like, okay, well, what can you learn from that? And so the only time, it, we depending on how the game against Minnesota goes, it might end up being the only game Boston lost for an entire month was a game against Dallas at the Garden where they shot 9 of 37 from 3 and Dallas shot 15 of 37 from 3. And that's going to happen. You know, that that's that's the nature of the league and they you know, they've had some games where teams were missing players and all that type of stuff, but they've also had a lot where they handled really good teams. And I I think about those sorts of things as well. I mean, then the one before that which will be wiped away theoretically with the Minnesota one is that super weird game against Indiana when they just got crushed when Indiana couldn't <laughs> miss a shot. And for Boston, like you bring up the 82 game and 16 game distinction and Boston, their best players do have playoff experience. This is a differently structured team and a differently coached team as well. They haven't, they have, you know, Imidoka in there. And what I think is so striking about the Celtics, kind of the playoff background for them is that this is going to be a lot of players in different roles and you know Tatum and Brown are not what they were when the team made the conference finals a few years ago and then they had all that and Robert Williams of course wasn't significant in in those runs and like Marcus Smart is a somewhat different player now too and there's also the element of like Styles makes fights like I think that Boston their diversity of threats and the different things that they can do really well will work great against a lot of opponents and then you still wonder like 
are they a team that is good enough to win a playoff series when they don't have the best player in that series? Because unfortunately for Boston, as great as Jason Tatum has been and as great as Jalen Brown can be, there are some really good players in the East. Yeah, I I mean, it's really kind of comes down to to crunch time, right? Like that's really what we're talking about, right? Like when your best players got to make plays and things like that. And I just look at it in a series against Milwaukee. Milwaukee has three players that can pretty much make anything happen on offense, right? We can go two and a half depending on how you feel about Drew Holiday. Uh, But I think Chris Middleton has earned that respect after what he did in the playoffs last year. Obviously, Giannis is Giannis. So when I look at Boston, I really only trust Jalen Tatum at the end of games to get his own shot, you know, and and, and that's not a knock on Jalen Brown. I I just don't I don't trust him as much. And so we can even say they have one and a half like it's it becomes challenging there. And that's going to be a big question for me, for them going forward. But you're right. Like the playoffs really do come down to your best. Who has the best player in the series and who has the best? couple of players in the series right when you look at the top five best players on the the series you know who has three and who has two right and you're you can kind of just go from there I think it gets challenging for Boston the deeper they go because of it but the one thing they got that not a lot of teams have is they got the defense right they can defend and not take anything off the court offensively right you know uh, yes I wish Derek White was shooting the ball better right but if he's on the floor he's such a good defender it's not going to hurt you like there's nobody you can look at going like we're going to hunt this guy on defense and I think that's their advantage but I am worried that if they're going to score enough in the crunch time situations to, to pull out those games and maybe they don't need to right like maybe they might win three of them running away three of those games you know kind of in, in, in blowout fashions but you and I know we've seen enough games especially playoffs they almost all of them come down to the wire right and so can you get a good shot a shot can you get a big stop in those circumstances and that's why I focus a lot in certain circumstances on undeniability and that's like you know the the Kevin Durant argument is like even if you know what he's going to do can you stop it anyway and Theoretically, that could be a 2-7 series. Um, I believe right now that's actually what uh, that 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 would be kind of if you gamed out the 538 Raptor projections, that's kind of what would end up happening, which is wild and gets into the idea of, you know, stars and scrubs versus not to disrespect all those Nets players, but as an extreme iteration of that versus a more ensemble cast. And we'll also I, I mean, something that I've been thinking about a lot going into this and part of part of what gets me amped for this playoffs is the idea of baggage. And so you, I, I like to, I can think of Miami as a really good example of this. Nate and I have been doing our position rankings over the last few weeks, and Miami can be a hard team to reconcile for this because two years ago, they had this phenomenal playoff run, and a lot of players were truly great for them and helped foster them making the NBA Finals. They, you know, they handled really good teams. They very well could have beaten the Lakers if they had been healthy. So, like, Bam had a great playoff. Jimmy Butler had a great playoff. Dragic did really well when he was available. And then there's their support players either did really well or they were able to kind of make it work. And then you have what happened to them in 2021, and where not only did they lose and get crushed, but also... Also, importantly, a lot of their best players just had duds of series. And you don't want to make any one game, any one series a referendum, but for Jimmy and Bam in particular, I I so the I don't have the same level of familiarity and confidence with what they will be in the playoffs this year as I do with somebody like Durant or Giannis. Yeah, and part of I'm with you on that and part of it is you know, their issue this season was they have not had their whole lineup throughout the season. They were right. winning games, right? And they're you know, we we're all impressed, right? Like, oh, wow. Gabe Vincent's killing, you know, Omer, your seven's going nuts. And we're going like, wow, where, where are they finding these guys? Max Struess and everybody enjoys the jokes as the Struess is loose. But at the end of the day, in the playoffs, you need these guys to have had that on-court chemistry together, especially with Kyle Lowry and things like that. And that really shows in, in it, I'm going to be beating this to a dead horse, but crunch time, because this is so important in the playoffs. When I watch them in close games, Danny, it doesn't even know, doesn't look like they even know what they want to do. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and it's, it's okay. We're going to run a lot of isolations for Jimmy Butler. Are we sure that's a good idea? He's not a three level scorer. He's not a guy. I feel confident that can knock a dribble, th- pull up three or, or get into the mid range. You know, he can get to the free throw line. He can try to get to the cup and get to the free throw line. But I look at their, their stuff in crunch time and I just don't feel like they have a plan. And some of that goes to the fact they just haven't been on the court enough. And so I think that's a real hindrance come playoff time. So like for me, that lowers their 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 probability in, in the in the Mo rankings <laughs> in his head in my head of, hey, can they 
really have a chance to win the championship. And when I look at that, I just go like, yo, I don't I don't see it. And like when you look at the games against Golden State and Miami and, and Philly this past week where both teams were missing major pieces and they were able to pull out wins. I just look at Miami going like, I'm not sure you guys are the team we thought you were going to be. I agree with all that. And another big concern for me with Miami as a playoff team is that against high-level opponents, but honestly, even against mid-level opponents, I don't think they have the half-court offense to run and hide and blow teams out. And generally speaking, what happens in those circumstances is that means you play a higher proportion of close games. And if you're playing a higher proportion of close games... I need to trust you more in close games because you're going to have to pull pull more of them out than you lose. And Miami, when it all works, it works. But like, I mean, one example of this for me, I mean, you brought up the like, what are they, what do they want to do? When you, in the minutes when they've had Lowry, Jimmy, and Bam all playing together, the Heat have a plus 10 net rating, which is great, but they're doing it through defense. Their offense is actually 30th percentile per cleaning the glass. And that can work, but that's a big, big bet on defense. And a part of my concern is when you get into the playoffs and you have a higher concentration of high-level players on the same team, there won't be as many opponents that just don't have somebody to handle Jimmy Butler. Like, you, whether we're talking about the Bucks or we're talking about the Celtics or even just the nature of playoff officiating, like... There, there aren't going to be as many teams that are overwhelmed by what the Heat do offensively. Yeah, defensively, I think they could get plenty of stops. I don't, I don't think there are going to be too many teams that just run up the score on them. Though, as you mentioned, some of those recent losses make you think it might be possible. Especially for me, the one against Philly, where Philly is so shorthanded and Miami's giving up open threes basically every single possession for periods of time. And that is not my lack of confidence in the Heat as a playoff team despite the making the NBA Finals two years ago, does not mean they can't do it. It just means I'm not going to be bullish on it. Right, and it goes back to our, hey, <laughs> taking the field, right? It's so wild. I think the big thing in coming out of the East this year is what's your route? You know, sure. what teams are you avoiding? You know, like it's, you know, it's it's going to come down to matchups. Like I think that's the situation. I think every team in the in the top four are probably looking going like, yeah, we're, we're going to be good as long as we don't play Team X. And everybody has one, right? No, I don't feel confident that any team can look at it going like, we're just going to run through the entire Eastern Conference. We're not afraid of anybody. And I think that's kind of what why Miami still has a, a, a legitimate chance to make the finals. It would surprise me. They're probably fourth to me in that in that ranking. But it's but it's because of their defense as you just described like they'll get stops i'm fairly confident a little bit shaken like you said after this week but they'll get stops you know in close games and even though i don't know what's going on in the crunch time with them spo's still a hell of a coach right like we're still one of the top three coaches in the nba in my opinion so it's like he'll he'll find a way and he's been through everything like they'll find a way lowry's a winner jimmy's a winner you know bam all of those guys are winners so i think it's it's something where i they can pull it together it's just how late we're into the season what 70 72 games and looking at everything i'm just kind of like i'm just not sure this is going to be the year the other eastern conference component that i'm for selfish reasons i'm kind of happy about even though it's going to lead to kind of it might lead to a worse first round with one notable exception is it looks like we're getting a little bit of separation between the teams that I, Nets excluded, that I thought were the best teams in the Eastern Conference getting the top four seeds and the other ones sliding down. So there was an, there was a, possibility at one point in the season when Chicago was doing really well and and Cleveland before they had their fall off due to injuries and just not playing quite as well that it looked like potentially Chicago and Cleveland could get top four seats and I didn't think of them as top four playoff teams in the Eastern Conference Chicago has been saddled with you know like Alonzo Ball still being out and Caruso and everything and and intermittent whatever what Zach Levine's dealing with and everything else but having in all likelihood, we don't know for sure yet, but it looks pretty clear right now that the top four seeds are all going to be among those top five teams, however you order it. That means like, I probably won't pick the Raptors, the Bulls, or the Cavs to win a playoff series this year, and that means that we'll probably get a better second round than first round. But it also means that we're going to avoid something that I always have been frustrated by, which is the circumstance when you get an overloading of the best teams in a conference on one side of the bracket and an underloading on the other. I mean, the, probably the most prominent of that would be when Portland made the conference finals, despite being like the sixth best team in their own right. conference. 
And it looks pretty clear that we're not going to see anything like that in the East right now because there are going to be, it's probably going to be three on one side and two on the other. Yeah. I mean, it's going to get kind of wonky. The Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be a bloodbath. And, and oh, yeah. You know, for the other, te- for the for the teams that we listed, like Toronto is going to be a scary opponent for, for whatever sure. the hell they play, right? Like we're not, we're not, for, for the people who are listening, I don't want you to think Danny and I are undervaluing them. I, that's a scary ass opponent. That's a tough team. But it's, and it's not ideal to have them in the first round, but it's going to be just everything's a battle. And then we have no idea where Brooklyn's going to end up with the playing tournament. You know, if he's if they're going to end up playing the two seed or the one seed, like, hey, great, you're one of the top two seeds in the East. You got to deal with KD and Kyrie. Like, good luck. Uh, it's it's challenging in that stuff. So I think it's I am happy. I'm with you in the sense of like, it's probably not right to say happy, but this, I never believed in Cleveland as a three seed, right? Like if they had fall, if they were a three seed, I was like, that's the team everybody's going to want to play, right? And somebody's going to go like, I don't mind dropping the six and, and, and taking Cleveland in the first round. I think we would have seen a little more shenanigans in that uh, department. So I think that's, I mean, just the whole East, every, every round is going to be a bloodbath. And that's why it comes back to, I can see teams looking at it going like, what's the route? we want to we want to try to avoid you know if i mean if i'm boston i probably don't want to play milwaukee till the conference finals sure you know i think you know if i'm i mean you know if i'm milwaukee i probably don't want to play boston till the conference finals you know i think maybe you know maybe philly can give them some trouble i'm I'm not a big philly believer but i think you know there's going to be some challenges there but these are going to be some the second round for this eastern conference has a chance to be really just wild series Agreed. And to go back to the like the Toronto point, it's it's not so much like they have a zero percent chance to win. It's going to be a four game super thing. I think it's going to be my expectation right now, not knowing the matchups or anything, is it'll be a brutal six game series where it wouldn't surprise me in the least if Toronto or Cleveland or Chicago win one of the first two games on the road. Like they're good enough teams to do that. It's just that to me, it's hard fought games that the superior team ends up like ends up winning four of them. How when maybe it goes six or something like that and. There's no shame in that. Like that is a that is an accomplishment. And Toronto, like when they've had their best guys, they've done very well so far this year. But I just don't think you know. It, in some ways, it's a parallel to Miami, where it's the okay. I believe in their defense, and they've got ridiculous talent. And they were doing this run before OG came back, where they were starting Scotty Barnes at the two, which is incredible. And Nick Nurse is again one of the best coaches in the league. I just don't think they like they don't have the juice to me offensively to do it. And, and one way of phrasing that is the like what can they do to really freak out an opposing defense and so that's can you get this player going downhill can you run an action like if you the brooklyn's probably the most the easiest to use for this because it's just like oh they could run something with kevin durant kyrie irving or both and you're like well how am i going to stop that like you can you don't want to switch it you don't want to do all these other things and that is a challenge for the raptors and it's something that I would love to be wrong on. I would love for Fred Van Vliet to go supernova again and see them see them right. go through it. But <laughs> as much as I've been impressed with Siakam and Van Vliet and, and this team at full strength, the, the you know the bar is really hot. And these are strong teams at the top of the conference, and so it's going to be hard. And Cleveland's kind of the same thing. Like, Darius Garland has been unbelievable. And I'm so excited for his future. But do I think that an offense with one that's really run around one really good player who isn't supernova elite do i think that that is going to work in the playoffs against a more talented opponent no i don't generally speaking it hasn't and that isn't saying the Cavs are bad forever or anything like that it's just going to be a hard road for them yeah and they're young yes very young that's the other aspect of it you know it's they got to go and experience the playoffs you're Evan Mobley rookie potentially rookie of the year depending on where where you stand with Scotty Barnes and stuff like that but Darius Garland's never been to the playoffs Larry Markkinen's never been in the playoffs unless I'm mistaken like you have you're depending on a lot of stuff like your your veteran playoff leader is Kevin Love you know and he has a championship but it's not like he's the star guy like they're they're a very young team so it wouldn't like for me, them making the playoffs, and if they get the the berth outright, that's a hell of a season for them. Regardless how the playoffs go, like that's a victory for them this season. You know, Toronto. I was a little more uh, higher on them than than other people going into the season. I thought they'd be a top six team. So you know, uh, I, I need them, Danny, to, to to prove me right and get out of the playing tournament. I I, I t- telling you right now, I think they will. Um, yeah, I, a they're playing really well. They have a pretty manageable schedule the rest of the way. I'm I you know what I'm going to say right now as we're recording this on Friday I think they're going to get the five yeah I 
I'm, that's the thing that kind of shocked me is when I was looking at the standings yesterday before Chicago's lost to New Orleans, I was like, wow, Chicago can really drop into the playing tournament. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Cleveland will be the team that drops, but like, I'm with you. Like I could see them getting that five seed in Chicago dropping to six, which is, which is kind of interesting considering what late or early February they were, they were number one or number two. Like they were right in the mix for the top seed. So, uh, but that also shows you how much this season has changed. And how quickly things can change. A couple injuries, things like that. Other teams get hot. Everything rolls around. But again, like trying to predict this playoffs is, is especially in the East, is is really more difficult. I think the West is a little more, a little easier in looking at it in in, in terms of the teams. But there's nothing that's going to happen in the Eastern Conference that's really going to surprise me, apart from the Cavs going to the finals. Right. And like, let's say, for example, with the Raptors, I was picking, I thought they lose a hard fought six game series. It is very easy for a hard fought six game series loss to become a hard fought six game win. Win. Like right. that, that, the margin between those two things is, is incredibly small most of the time. Plenty more with Mo DeKeel in a moment, but first a message from betonline.ag. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage. The tournament is finally upon us. Looking to wager this year? BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with great contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. You can remember the 5-0 because you get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games. BetOnline, where the game starts. And in the West, there there are different parts of the story. So, I mean, one part of it, unfortunately, is these star players. When are they going to be right? When are they going to be back? I mean, John Morant's knee issue is really scaring me. I mean, the mm-hmm. idea that it's going to be at least two weeks. I'm not sure he's going to be 100% for the start of the playoffs. The good news for the Grizz is that they might not have... They might not have to go right at the beginning, but the bad news is, like, with how well Minnesota's playing, it's like they're probably going to face a bigger charge as the two seed than the average two seed would. And so that's a potential concern. It does look like, especially with Steph's injury, that the Warriors aren't going to catch them. But that's, and Memphis, you know, like they, they beat the Nets. They've done a lot of things well, and they're a really good team. So they're, they're going to have some challenges. And then, but for me, the early story in the Western Conference is going to be Luka. And I mean, you know, you of course know the Clippers very well. He has had a brutal matchup each of the last two years. And off the cuff, I thought it was the, he has had the best performance of any star player I can remember who lost his first two playoff series like you know the idea that right i walked away from both of those being more confident in his future than before and that doesn't always happen and it's, it's a team sport and he he did really well in both those i mean they happened to run into Kawhi and everything else and yeah the clippers two years ago then got handled by the nuggets and everything else but i'm excited to see luca presumably you can't get a less favorable matchup than he had the last two years what can he do in a seven game series against a team that is less equipped to handle what he does well. Yeah, I mean, and we're I, I think the the matchup for them against Utah, which is what it's looking like it's going to be, it almost just a question of who has home court for that series. I I just think it's a um, we're ready for a Luka explosion at least to get out of the first round. I mean, he his first two years to end up having to play the Clippers, and it took a unbelievable Kawhi Leonard game six last season for for the for the Clippers to to get to game seven and then eventually win the series. Like there was a lot, there was a good chance that game. And it's like we were talking about with the Raptors, that could have been one of those six game series where, Oh wow, the Mavs won, you know? And, and I, I think what Luca does, especially against, you know, the, the, the jazz will be able to do against the jazz and the pick and roll is really attack Gobert in a way that's going to put the jazz in rotation. And now with Jalen Brunson taking a leap this year and Spencer Dinwiddie playing really well after the trade, he has guys he trusts. Like you can see it in how he's playing versus last season. You know, he has no problem getting off the ball quickly, right? A, a, a double's coming? Cool. I'll immediately swing it to my guys because I know they're either going to make the right shot or they're going to make the right play. And, you know, the, the great example was, you know, the game, uh, I can't remember who they just played, but Dorian Finney-Smith hits, you know, misses a, a, a three at the top. And two plays later, Luca finds him in the corner for a three. And, and after the game, Dorian Finney-Smith, it, it was against Utah, I think. And Dorian Finney-Smith says afterwards, yeah, Luca trusts us. Like, Luca trusts me to make those shots. And he stayed with me even even though I missed that last one. 
and I think that's the big difference with this Mavs team. And I think the team is built a little bit better around them. So I think they're they're situated to be a team that would, as long as he is continuing to be Luka and, and what we've seen from him in the past two playoff performances, I think he's going to take them at least out of the first round. They will at least have a better a better opportunity than they have yeah. before. And and Utah, I, I, Nate and I did one of those two games, not the one with the like endless ISOs at the end with Luka versus Gobert, the other one. And one of the wrinkles of that matchup tactically is that Jay Jason Kidd correctly had Finney Smith and Bullock guarding Utah's guards and then had Luca and the other perimeter player, Dinwiddie, Brunson, whoever, guarding Royce O'Neal. And then, I mean, right. Bogdanovich has been out for a while now, but the other guy. And that's a part of why some of these tactical matchups and, and part of why Reggie Bullock is actually really important in a theoretical Mavs Jazz series is it took Nico Harrison and, and you could even say their predecessors, Nelson, Donnie and, and Bob Vigaris time to figure out like, okay, well, what we want is we need versatile defenders in these other spots because, and, and I, I talked about this at length with, um, I think it was with Sam Vecini a few weeks ago about it doesn't really matter whether your primary ball handler is six foot even or six foot seven. You don't want them in the main offensive matchup because it's just defensively because it's just too much work. And so if it's Ja, if it's Luca, if it's LeBron, you don't really, I mean, LeBron in Miami, sure, like that, the rules are different for that. But it took a lot to get Dallas into the place where they could actually pull that off. And ideally, you know, they're playing a secondary ball handler now, and a lot of times they're trying to keep those guys out of it too. And I think there's a threshold for team building that's going to go in this direction. And Dallas is a little bit at the forefront of it right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's almost to go to another level, you know, with being able to to find moments where Luka can get rest is what's going to make the difference for the this Dallas Mavs team. Right. And I don't mean just rest on the bench, rest on the court when he's playing, you know, guarding and, Royce O'Neal, baby. That's that's the rest. That, that's the rest. That, that's the rest. You know, and then even on the offensive end, you know, like he doesn't have to shoulder the load that he did in years past. Like Brunson has taken a leap this year. You can trust Brunson to bring the ball up the court and have Luca come off a screen and then go off to hand, you know, to hand off or go stand in the corner. They have enough. They can they can find the 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 right action. Would would giving Luca a playoff or two, right? Because I think that's the thing that kind of was their was kind of their Achilles heel last year and the year before was he got tired down the stretch and it wasn't and we talk about how he's in shape or now and things like that. It wasn't even about being in shape. He had to do a lot. Yes. You know, and, 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 and again, and against those matchups, right? He was doing a lot against Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Marcus Morris. Like it was, you know, he's seeing double teams and having to make things happen and driving the lane and finding guys and things. You know, it was it's it's finding those the ability to give your best player a chance to to steal three plays where he doesn't have to do anything, whether on offense or defense or, or consecutively. And you're, it, it goes a long way in the sense of like, okay, he's going to have a little more pop come the, the final three or four minutes of this game if we need him. And I think that's the that's the edge that Dallas has this year that they didn't have in years past. I think that's what's going to kind of, in, in my my mind, right, like kind of push them over to, to probably being the favorites in their first round series. That's totally fair, and I brought it for me, the Grizzlies and the Warriors, it's going to be about whether they can get right and, and be there, because they're going to face capable opponents. You know, you, you said, and I agree with you, that it's kind of lining up for Jazz and Mavs. That means it's probably Nuggets and Wolves for those other two in, in either order, and those are talented teams, and we don't know exactly what Denver's going to look like at that juncture, and Carl Anthony Towns has been an absolute monster over the stretch, and he'll be a, a matchup challenge for either one of those teams, and the other big story for me in the West, and I mean, what honestly, one of my favorite things over the last little while has been this run that the Phoenix Suns have been on, and Phoenix not pushing. You know, they don't they don't need they don't need these wins to secure anything. Like they already have even before this push where they've won, I think they've won seven in a row, and most of those have been demolitions. Many of them right. against good teams is they didn't need that to establish themselves with the best record in the league. Like they were already, you know, like right now, other than them, the high win projection is 56 wins and the Suns were there like a week ago. Right. And they were always going to get at least 500. But instead, it's just like, we're a really good team. We're going to get a week off before we actually have to play from the regular season to the playoffs. And integrating Chris Paul now that he returned on Thursday, we're better than you. We're just going to kick your ass. 
And that is just invigorating to see it to see a team do that against high level opposition. I mean, Danny, like the game against Denver on Oof. Thursday night was something else. Just just watching Devin Booker's effort. And I'm and, and listen, he could score, he can do all this stuff, but there were plays where he'd miss a shot. Uh, Jokic looks like he has the rebound. Booker steals the ball from him, throws a lob to Aiton for an and one. You know, on a similar play, he tries to throw a pass on the pick and roll. Jokic deflects the pass. He's battling with Aaron Gordon, you know, for, for the loose ball. And they're tipping it, to, you know, three different times until he finally secures it, dribbles down, you know, he gets it right around half court, but it's almost like a transition play at this point. Drives down the lane, kicks it out to, I think it was Cameron Payne in the corner for a three. He's beginning to walk away thinking Payne's going to make it. Payne misses it. He rips the ball out of Jermichael Green's hand and gets an and one. Like yeah. it was, and, and, and everything you said, this was a meaningless game for them in the sense of, they had everything locked up, you know, everything you could possibly have. But the attitude and the way they're going about it and the, the, the business side of it, it's just like it's it's ruthless. And I love every bit of it. We're not taking a playoff. If guys got to sit, other guys are going to step up. They lose Chris Paul for 15 games. They go 11 and four. Doesn't matter. Insane. Booker misses games. Doesn't matter. They had a run where they didn't even have their backup point guard in Cameron Payne. Right. And, um, you know, they're, they're just bringing guys in. Cool. We're going to roll. You know, Mikhail Bridges has been awesome. Just everything about this team has just screamed, yo, we're going to the championship this year. Their, their attitude, you know, and it's, it's, it, it almost reminds me, and this is probably going to be a little bit of a throwback, the, the years when, when Maryland uh, Terrapin basketball lost to Duke. You know, the next year it was all business with Steve Blake, Juan Dixon. Um, there are several other names I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but like they came back the next season, it was all business and they ran through everybody and won the title. Like that's what this team reminds me of. Early in the season, I did a podcast with Rob Bahoney and we talked about the idea that maybe we were like, because there's this idea that things look inevitable in hindsight and that you, you get there. I br- I've invoked the 1415 Warriors earlier in this. And I had brought that up in the context of the Brooklyn Nets that basically like they had last year, they, to me, they were the best team. And then they had these injuries at exactly the wrong time and they ended up losing. And that's the way things go sometimes as, as it has before. And it will again, unfortunately. It's, I mean, first of all, it could still be the Nets like that. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) that's how wild this team is. But there's a part of me that thinks, well, it could be the Suns, too. I mean, the Suns are running roughshod over everyone. They have a really good team. But just like I talked about with Miami in terms of baggage, like there's the you have to see it before. And and like for the Suns, they're not the most defensively versatile team. They also like as great as Devin Booker has been. Do I am I sure that he's going to be the best player in a series against some of these opponents? Well, we'll have to see. I mean, we're going to have this. I have the same questions about John Morant. And those potentially are the one and the two seeds. And Paul and Booker is a different kind of one, two. But how the how those teams in the West square up and shake out, and I mean, it's far from a certainty for either the seeding being right or even those teams making it out of the first round. But like I I I think yesterday was the first time I really started processing what a Suns Mavs second round series could be. And my, I'm still reeling a little bit from that possibility. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't even really <laughs> gotten to that point yet. But you're right. And that's the the one thing Phoenix has uh, the the baggage that they have that worries me a little bit is the lack of versatility, not just defensively, but offensively. Sure. And the problem is the the thing is they've been so good offensively that in in terms of they always get to their spots, they always find the right shots. Nobody really takes bad shots for the most part on this team. They're always making the right right decisions for the most part. But for me, like I was on the Bucks for years going like you play one way. What happens when that way doesn't work? And you know, I was always banging the drum of you need that versatility. And that's going to be something I'm going to be very curious about with the Suns. What happens if a team figures out, hey, we know how to guard your Spain pick and roll action. By the way, I don't have an answer for it. I don't get paid for it. So nobody asked me what's, what's the right <laughs> answer for that. That's my point. job. That ain't my job anymore. My job is when I see it to say, oh, that's what they're doing. <laughs> um, but, you know, like that when teams can start to take away things a little bit from them, what's going to be their answer? And that's going to come down to what you just asked. Can Devin Booker be that guy? Can Booker just say, screw it, everybody clear out? I got this. And we don't we don't know that yet. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Suns fans are rolling their eyes going like, yes, we do. No, you don't. At least I don't. And I'm not there to, to say that. So that's going to be probably the most interesting question for them. And then when they have to play 
if they play the Mavs in the second round, like that's where it gets interesting, right? Because like the Mavs do have some good defenders. They have some quality guys that can make moves defensively and get on you. And then you have guys, you know, on the other end of it's going to be tough. Like Luca's going to post up some of your smaller guards as tough as CP is. He ain't the defensive player he used to be. Right. And they're going to try to find some of those target switches when Cameron Payne's in the game. They're going to try to attack those guys. It'll be very interesting to see how that series kind of begins to unfold. But you're ahead of me on that one, Danny. I wasn't even. Well, and and I'll I'll throw one more at you. Phoenix defending a five out team that is actually healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be a big one. That's going to be a big one. Aiton's done a pretty decent job, but I'm still not fully there. And my problem with Aiton is, can he make you pay on the other end? Because my my thing with him is, it feels like he's more of a finesse guy. And when you have a smaller guy on you, there are times where I want to see him just dunk on a dude. And not even in the sense of like, poster, oh, highlight. But it's more just the viciousness of like, you know, he has the option of going to a jump hook or a dunk. He often goes to the jump hook because that's where he's most comfortable. But sometimes you got to go for the dunk because that's going to draw the foul. And that's the most important thing. And I think that's the, the the thing is, will he do enough on the other end to punish him if they're not going to be able to defend the five out, which we don't know if they're going to or not? Can he punish him on the other end? Because that's where Utah tended to fail. Mo, do you know how many free throw attempts per 36 minutes DeAndre Aiden has drawn this year? I know it's going to be low, but I think it's going to be around like 1.5. It's three, but three is about middle, per 36 minutes is about middle of the team for the Suns. That's less than Chris Paul generates. It's about what campaign generates. Yeah, That's not a good thing. <laughs> no, it's not. And Aiden is a totally capable free throw shooter. Like it's, it's not a Ben Simmons situation where it's he doesn't want to get to the line and I was thinking about that in the context of, I'm trying to remember which of their games I was watching. I think it was, it was probably the game against the Wolves, where the Wolves do a lot of like trapping and recovering and getting trying to get the ball out. And so a lot of times what that system does is it creates an advantage for a power forward or center, depending on how you're structuring your action. Yeah, because yeah, cause I watched Dallas, Minnesota, and I watched a lot of Phoenix, Minnesota. And in the Dallas circumstance, what they were doing, they were you know doing those switch doubles or however you wanted to find it, a bunch of different things. And Dallas was getting open corner threes, and Phoenix, more often than not, was getting eight and full and that can work, you know, and, and the Suns obviously won that game and they did they did totally well. But it's like you kind of can't sit there goes is like you were bringing up like mashing. And part of that is also trying to scare the other team out of that scheme. Like that is yeah. the other part of it is, oh, we can't do this. And there are various different iterations of that that will occur all over the league in the playoffs of what is tenable and what is not. And with Aiton, you brought up like the posters and everything like that. It's not, it's not even necessarily because you want those two points. It's taking the club out of that team's bag defensively and saying, yeah. okay, we, we can't, we can't do this. And bigs are easier in many ways for that because they can just bludgeon, they can draw fouls and everything else. But it, it has to be a concerted effort by Aiton and the coaching staff and the whole team. And the Suns had this great run. There are very few demerits on it from it. I mean, but they also don't have as many gold stars from that run as well because I still believe, yes, and Chris Paul was hurt, but I still believe they would have lost to the Lakers if Anthony Davis hadn't gotten hurt. And they had some fortune, good fortune in terms of the other teams they played. They they beat them and they deserve credit for that. But the idea that, and then they faced the Bucks, and the Bucks were dealing with that Giannis injury at the very beginning and they ended up doing pretty well in the series. So the Suns, it's, it's a similar story for me of like, I will give full credit if they get there and I have full confidence that they have the ability, but I want to see it. And that's a great place to be. Like, I, I like the idea that I don't have supreme confidence in anybody because that just means we're going to, we're in for a ride. Yeah. And, and I should say this because I do have confidence in the, in the Sun. Like, I actually believe a lot in the Suns team. So and do I. Part, and, 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 and especially like, there isn't another team in the West that I'm just like, oh, they can't match up against that. I think they'll do well against anybody. Yeah. If it was if they were in the east it'd probably be different right my attitude and 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 concept of of how they would look in the playoffs but in the west i feel like they can kind of just get what they want at the the eight and issue the and it's not even that big of an issue it's, it's the eight and aggressiveness mm-hmm. it, will, it will will be something i think we'll see in maybe the dallas series i think it'll be something i'll be very curious to see if they play milwaukee in the finals again you know like that's where it's gonna matter the most kind of like in just a few series because ultimately this playoff run is going to be on the 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 backs and shoulders of devin booker and chris paul 
for and sure. That's, and those are going to be the guys that are going to carry it. And I'm with you in the I, I still think if yeah, if AD doesn't get hurt, the Lakers win that series. But he did. Everything yep. moved on for sure. And even but, but the most important thing is they learned something from that playoff run. Right. Like they're not the same team as they were at the start of that playoff playoff run last year. Like the team that started this season was drastically different and it wasn't in talent or or anything like that, even though they've they've made good moves adding size. The it was their attitude and their knowledge of like we've done it and having done it before or having gotten that far and gotten a taste has changed their their almost mental chemistry in terms of like how they feel and their attitude and confidence level. And they just kind of carry that swagger. And I think that's gone a long way for them throughout the season. And we'll see if it can carry them the the rest of the way. They have played this regular season like a championship team. And I don't mean that in the easy championship, okay, we're just going to take it easy and get there. In the, we're going to beat everyone and leave no doubt. And there's no reason to doubt it now. And as we both brought up, the West doesn't have that other juggernaut. And that actually leads me into what I thought was kind of the last thread. And this is, I brought up the Suns-Mavs thing that I've been lingering on. The other one that I've been thinking about a lot, I I talked about this with Nate, but we haven't brought it up on the podcast yet. I thought it'd be fun to bring it up here is, as hard as it is to predict the 2022 champion, predicting the 2023 champion right now is even harder. (laughs) It's, it's, oh my God. And I don't think that's because we're going to, see a lot of turnover my instinct is this is going to be a fairly stable offseason at the top instead it is how do you throw the full strength hopefully iterations of some of these teams into this mix so the full strength clippers the full full strength nuggets it and and then how do you fit that in with like these young teams like the Cavs that are on the rise and so like what I've been thinking about a little bit with the 22-23 season as excited as I am for the playoffs is just this car crash, bloodbath, whatever violent imagery you want to use for these teams that are already really good, that are going to stay there, that aren't going anywhere. You know, if you want to talk about the Suns, you want to talk about the Warriors or the Bucks or the Heat, you know, wherever you want to go there. And yes, some teams will have injuries with the young teams that are pushing up like the Grizzlies and the and the Cavs and the Raptors and the injured teams that are coming up. And I think we're we're headed for an even more chaotic 22-23 season than what we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, just think about how we look at the Eastern Conference this way, and and I think that's going to stick, and we're going to have something similar next season for the most part, and then add in with exactly everything you just said in the West, because Denver is going to be a contender when they get Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. back next season. The Clippers are going to be a contender with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and I love the move picking up Norman Powell, and God sure. help everybody if they re-sign Robert Covington. You know, like that becomes a, a, another contender on top of the teams that are there now. And that makes the Western Conference just as wild as, as the Eastern Conference. And that's just going to make I, I'm 23 playoffs might be even wilder because both sides of the bracket are going to be just complete like, hey, heavyweights are fighting every night. Good luck having to decide what's going to be the NBA TV uh, playoff game <laughs> in the first round because they're all going to be heavyweight fights, you know, and I think that's going to be a big thing there. And, you know, it's each conference now is beginning to go five teams, six teams deep. Like that's a product of how good the league is right now. Like that's that's the stuff I'm excited about. Like it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning, just how much fun this regular season has been. I think it's even going to be more fun next season. I think it's just nightly basis. We're just going to have heavyweight fights. And and then when we get to the playoffs, they're going to be championship level fights every every night. Like I, I I'm I'm too excited, Danny. Like I'm, you got me fired up now. And, on Friday and, and I'll, I'll give you one more. There is the question of what teams that are not currently in this mix are going to be there. So it, you know, like the Atlanta Hawks are an example there. Maybe the Indiana Pacers or the Lakers are a, they're they're a question mark in all this. And it looks like Portland might try next year. And so the play-in has fueled part of this, but also another element is just the teams that have veteran pieces that aren't look that you know the decisions that are made in front offices. And so my inclination right now is we're looking at something like, and I didn't even bring up New Orleans. Um, they're, they're roughly going to be something like 12 teams in each conference that are intending to make noise at the start of next year. And inevitably some of those teams will fall off, whether that is that they aren't as good as they thought, or they're just injured or something else. And so when you have 12 teams going for four playoff series wins in the first round, it's, 
it's so complicated, it's so vicious, and the level of star talent and the ebb and flow in the league of these really great players that are now hitting their early to mid-30s and how well do they hang on versus these young guys that are coming up where we expect each year to be better than the last, and also how spread out all these things are, that you don't have a team with with three top 10 players you you might and you don't have a team with two top five players in all likelihood and so that is a it's setting up for something like that but then at the same point maybe we're going to be sitting here in four months be like uh, look at us idiots it was always this team the whole time right well i mean it's 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 kind of that right it's always the butler did it and we just didn't see until the very end right and i think that's something that's it's certainly possible but there's just the fact it's so up in the air I think provides the excitement that that we've been wanting. We listen. We we were there through the whole Warriors Cavs run in the finals, right? Like it would have been a surprise if one other if a different team had made the finals in that four uh, three four year run. You know, I think we've we've been through that kind of stuff. In that this year is just totally different because it's. I mean, it, there's an outside chance that Dallas goes on an incredible run, right? And Luca gets amazingly hot and and is on fire and and takes two teams out and takes the Suns out in the second round. Like, then you're looking at it going like, wow, the West is such a, a, a wide open scenario, you know? And 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 the East, it's it's we've talked about it at nauseum. I think there's just so much stuff that could happen. There's so many different things where it's like I'm almost at the point you, except for a few teams, you tell me this team is going to win the NBA Finals, I'll be like. I could see a path like I could I, you can talk me into that a little bit like I could I, I might not agree, but I could I could understand the logic behind it and going like that. That, that makes sense because this thing is going to be wild. But can I throw one one of those up and coming teams for next season that I think, Danny, this is just a wild. I'm going to call my okay. shot now. And if I'm right, I'm taking victory laps nonstop all, all, all next year. It wouldn't shock me if with the right couple of tweaks here and there, if Detroit ends up a team that surprises people next season. I'm a little burned by this year. I thought they were going to be better than a bad team this year. Mm-hmm. And But the theory of it, of them having a defensive foundation and having enough offensively, I think it, I think it's close enough. And generally speaking, you know, the player they add in the draft is going to make a huge difference, but they also have free agency. So I, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be more in that kind of like frisky group which is what I was hoping for this year. But Cade could take a really big step forward. I mean, think about how badly this offseason and year kind of began for him and that he's right. played a lot better since then. And I, I still am a firm believer in what he what he can be. So yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a rationale for that. I brought up the Pacers as a possibility. Like if they're trying next year, I, I think their foundation, I don't think it's like a win a playoff series foundation, but being in the mix certainly could be there. And the thing I want to end on with, for you is we still have a few weeks left in the regular season. We spent a lot of this time I'm talking about playoff matchups what teams and what players are you most interested in focusing on over the next couple weeks yeah i mean the the, the cop out is all the playoff teams but um the, the the teams i'm really keeping an eye on is i'm really watching the bucks because I'm beginning to, we're beginning to see them flip the switch. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they haven't flipped it because they've, they've still have like a bad loss here and there, but they're reaching for the switch and they've kind of had the feel of a flip the switch team all year. And, you know, as, as it's easy to say like, oh, well, they're the champs, but also like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday jumped on a flight as soon as they lost, or excuse me, as soon as they won the championship to go play for Team USA. Like that was a long season for them in everything that went with it. So they're beginning to get going and now that they have Brooke Lopez, like I'm really keeping an eye on that because he adds so much to them defensively and a defense that has been struggling for most of the year or not what we're used to seeing having him back really kind of changes the the complexion for them defensively and I think that's that's something I'm watching for with them with Miami Heat I'm just trying to figure out what they're going to do at the end of games watching Boston because I want to see Boston in more close games because I want to see how what is is Jalen Brown really good enough to create offense on his own when teams double Tatum like that's really the the question I want to see answered with Boston and in the West I mean it's besides the the teams that are injured like watching Dallas and Utah because Utah's looked so shaky like are they going to be able to shake out of this funk is the is is really kind of the big question mark for me when I'm when I'm watching them I smiled when you said the Bucks because there's a stretch next week of five days oh, where they play at Philly at Brooklyn and then they host Dallas on the Sunday and it's 
hard to do better in the regular season, especially because now that Nets game is in Brooklyn and Kyrie will be eligible to play. It's hard to do better in terms of you get different styles of opponents, you get different strengths and weaknesses of what are those games going to look like? Is that and and yeah, are they are like they could walk through that stretch, and I, I'm I don't think I'm going to have anybody over the field in the Eastern Conference, but I could end up walking out of that with them as the as being the most likely Eastern Conference champion. And then oh yeah, a couple days after that they play Boston in Milwaukee at, at Fiserv, and we'll see how that goes too. And <laughs> it's a wild, wild stretch. And you when know? you consider that there's this duality in the Eastern Conference of you want to get right for the playoffs, and and fortunately, like all the teams we're talking about, it looks like they will they'll get a week off. Is how hard do you want to push? And then you know, do you want to be the do you want to be the two or do you want to be the three? Like there could be some some jostling there towards the very very end. But yeah, basically for me, it's the we're 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 moving past the point, especially because like you'd see how aggressively some of these bottom teams are resting their guys. Like it's not even you know like the the like the magic sitting Wendell Carter in that game against the Thunder or like things like right. that is that there's not a, there's not a lot of signal on those teams anymore, which is fine. Like that that that's what that's what happens. And end of the year, end it's of the year, normal. totally. Fine. And yeah. it's you know. Sitting your guys for the last couple weeks, I don't see that as a scourge. It is a weird competitive imbalance. That's why I think they need to set the schedule very diligently. But oh, actually, I'll bring up one other point on that in a second. But um, so for the yeah, the Bucks are a good example of this. The Mavs, I like that you brought them up. We the Suns have already they don't have nothing more to prove to me. Like they've they've yeah. done every, they've done everything they need to do. And then the other one for me, I brought up the one of the games they're going to play is Philly. I'm not I don't think I'm going to trust them a ton. I don't think there's much that they can do that will change that for me. But, you know, playing the Bucks, playing they have a game late against the Raptors. Like how will they handle those sorts of opponents? Like that'll give me a lot more confidence uh, in terms of how how am I feeling about them going into the first round? And yeah. and because we haven't really seen them at at full strength a ton so far, and I want to see that. But the other thing I want to mention to you, oh, I don't oh, I, go ahead. Let me because just we didn't say much about Philly. Sure, I'm I'm the reason why I didn't mention them is because I don't believe in them. Is you it know, is I, it defense? Because that's what it is for me. It's defense and lack of depth. You know, and I think it's it's those are the issues for me. I think they we know Embiid's going to play a ton more minutes and things like that, but it's going to be four minutes is all it takes in a playoff game to lose a playoff game, and that four minute stretch when it's DeAndre Jordan or if it boggles the mind, but if it's Paul Millsap, that's a problem for them. That's four minutes that the the Sixers are going to be at a, a, a disadvantage. You know, we can talk about Harden throwing lobs to DJ and things like that, but that's then they're short shooters. I don't think they're going to have enough shooting. Danny Green's too inconsistent. There's there's just too much stuff there for me. And, you know, if you have Thibel on the court to bolster your defense, they're not guarding him on the other end. Like, they're not even going to worry about him. And I think even if, even if he gets a couple of buckets off cuts, it's not going to be enough to make up for it. And I think that's just when I look at them, that's a team I don't believe in. I don't think they rebound well I, I have a lot of issues with them i have a lot of issues with them too it starts with their transition defense and that's just going to be a problem i mean joel Embiid's yeah. going to go for offensive rebounds he's not going to get all the way back james harden is notoriously bad at that and the the sixers just don't have that many two-way guys and right. bead can do that when he's out there but like thibel harden tobias harris George Niang, Furkan Korkmaz, like like Maxi's a limited defender, and so yeah, can can everything work well for them, and can they win a couple of games? I was super impressed in that with that win they had over the Heat, shorthanded. Yeah, sure, but and so they're in a they're in a boat for me, and I had the Nets here, but now with Kyrie back, they might be in a different category. Of I could see them beating anyone, but I don't see them beating everyone, and so the idea like they could win a series, but I don't think they're winning four, right? And that's okay. But the other thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know if you relish these bad team nonsense games quite the same way that I do, but there's this weird anomaly of this season where it's not only the teams with the worst records, but it's the teams that are have their foot most firmly off the accelerator. Normally speaking, late in the season, you're getting into these small samples. Those teams are going to have higher opponent strength of schedules because they don't have to play themselves. And so the idea is generally that's going to be, you know, because they're so you're going to have <laughs> an average winning percentage. The teams with the easiest schedules in terms of like strength of it, so that's straight, straight wins and loss, like straight um, wins and losses for the opponent, not whether the game is on home or road or rest advantage and all that, are the Portland Trailblazers, 
the Houston Rockets, and then I think the and then I think the Nets might actually be third. But the idea that the Blazers and the Rockets, and part of that is because they play each other twice in a back to back, which is hilarious. I love it. And so we're going to see some weird double tank nonsense garbage here over this last little while, and it's not high profile enough. I don't think it's a problem that needs aggressive solving through like doing flattening the lottery odds anymore or anything like that. And if you know if it's the last couple weeks of the season, fine, you know whatever. And but we're going to see because these teams like almost all of the these bottom teams have really soft remaining schedules which means they're playing each other a lot it's going to be weird like the kings play the rockets twice and the kings have already basically james ham had this that like De'Aaron fox and demontis Sabonis probably aren't playing the rest of the season yeah it's it's well first off i've been on one of those teams that's true <laughs> when i was with the clippers like you know and and, and it's it's as a staff member it's tough because you're just going in there going like can we just get to the end of the season (laughs) like what are we doing but you know it's it's funny because those are the times that i kind of look at it going like those are missed development opportunities right like i i I get why the teams are doing it understand it everything that goes with it sometimes i think teams are so more dead set on trying to get that pick or, or improve their odds for those picks and things like that that you're missing development opportunities for your players and i think that's something that you kind of got to gauge a little bit you know and, and, and i'm not talking about the the king sitting uh fox and sabonis and things like that right like let's let's talk about like portland playing incredibly wonky lineups that you're probably never going to play or last season when it was you know okc playing poku at, at point guard right oh like baby that's, right like it's fun we had fun with it i enjoyed it it's fun but i'm also looking at it like that doesn't actually help the kid you know or or help the team understand what they have in him and in, in terms of evaluations and things like that so i think that's the kind of stuff that i i, I tend to worry about it but i'll be honest with you danny i'm probably just going to check the box score if anything crazy happens i'll take a look but i'll probably just be, I, I think i'm going to watch one of those portland houston games just to see what happens right but yeah i it, and and as you said the the development capacities are limited but also it's the last couple weeks of the season yeah. like if you're if you're and and this was a big criticism of mine of the process sixers is you don't really get to see what those guys have if you're if you're just totally below that nba caliber threshold but i will say i don't think any of these teams were this year like the the magic they dealt with injuries i mean right. nobody expected jonathan isaac well maybe some people did to be out this long and marco fultz missed a bunch of time but like the pistons a lot of times they had capable nba players out there the rockets and the thunder it was a little bit more intermittent depending on the, the circumstances but like i don't think we had anything totally egregious this year no i i, I actually don't either and i think it was pretty pretty i'm pretty happy about it like the thing about the pistons they played hard in yes. almost every game i watched same with orlando orlando coming away with some nice wins recently right mm-hmm. like you know they they've played hard at going at games and things like that so it's it's I actually don't I don't think anybody's done anything egregious. We might get something stupid in the last game of the season Guaranteed. or something like that, right? But like but, but we also might be getting that from a top team because yeah. especially if you don't want to be the two seed in the east, we <laughs> might see some nonsense. <laughs> and and get ready for it, right? Like, you know, we're gonna have um you know, one one of the Antetokounmpo brothers playing point guard, not Giannis, <laughs> right? You know, and 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 you know, wild stuff there or something like to avoid the two seed. But it's it's it is what it is. When it's just one game, I'm okay with it. And right. and I think you're right in that nothing egregious has happened. And I, I think it's just me being a little bit of a curmudgeon, which sure. I've you know have from time to time. And we I think all do. That's kind well, of, I mean, and and that's also take. Seth rubbing off on you as he does on all of us. Yeah, uh, it's too much of Seth sometimes. <laughs> But it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, unless there's something else you really want to talk about, I'm going to thank you for taking the time. No, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Mo DeKeel for taking the time to come on. You can listen to him on the Nerder She Wrote podcast. You can watch his trip streams. And you can check out his awesome Twitter feed at Mo DeKeel underscore NBA. That's M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore N-B-A. And his Twitch account, I think, has the same handle. Um, but that's on Twitch, not on Twitter. You can check both of those out as well. Loved having him on and thought it was a really fun conversation, getting into a lot of different things and made me even more amped for the playoffs than I already was, which is hard because I was already very, very into it. If you want to support the show, there are a lot of different ways you can do it. You can subscribe, download every episode, whatever podcast player you're using. We really appreciate it. Shows never can come out on a specific day of the week, just not the way it works. And 
Speaking of podcast players, you can also leave a rating, leave a review there so people can find the show or use word of mouth. But the single most important thing you can do for this show and any other that has them is to check out our sponsors. And for Real GM Radio, that is BetOnline, BetOnline.ag, and use that CLNS50 code to tell them that you came from us and to give yourself a 50% welcome bonus, which is awesome. You, of course, heard more about that earlier in the show. You can also check out my other work. Nate Duncan and I are still going strong with Dunked On and Dunked On Prime, one public episode a week, and then four subscription. Then we have our weekly Spotify green rooms, which are typically at on Tuesdays at three Pacific, six Eastern. That's like a call in radio show. And then we're doing the NBA strategy stream through the rest of the regular season. So we'll be doing the coming Monday. And then we'll actually be doing a Tuesday at the end of the year because the NBA is taking that Monday off with the college basketball national championship game going on that day. You can also check out my written work at The Athletic. I should have something coming out early next week. I'm in the process of writing it and it's going to go hopefully go through editorial over the weekend or early next week. So I'm pretty excited about that. And then I'll have more in the works as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at Danny LaRue if you want to. But if you want to leave feedback for the show, good, bad, or indifferent, Danny LaRue, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get it to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is a promise. I'll try to get back to you, but I admit that I'm not the greatest at that, especially as things get busier and they're already busy. Not complaining. Love what I do. But that is enough for now. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day.